All right, so you can grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one under your seat. Uh, And you can turn to Daniel 3. That's where we're going to be camped out tonight. Um, We are continuing our series. If you haven't been here, it's called Unshakable. And we are talking about how to have unshakable faith. And we can do that because we have an unshakably faithful God. Um, We're going to be talking about a story that is really well known tonight. Um, And so because of that, you might be coming into it with certain expectations or a certain idea of what the story is, and you might have the right idea of what the story is about. Um, And I want you to know that as much as I'm sharing this with you tonight, I'm actually really preaching it to myself, Um, because there's a lot of things going on in my life that as I studied for tonight, it just wrecked me. Um, And so my prayer this whole time as I've been preparing for this, is that it would meet you exactly where you are in whatever situations that you're in, whether this is for a friend for you to encourage or for you personally, it's a really important message. And so I want you to lean into it and really focus. Um, So I want to start with a question. You don't have to answer out loud. Uh, But have you ever been in a situation that you've had to make a choice between God's way or a different way? Obedience to God, or obedience to man, or obedience to yourself, or obedience to something else? Or, have you ever been in a situation that it just felt like life was crushing you? That the end was nowhere in sight, and you desperately needed deliverance, and it seemed like deliverance just wasn't coming? I know a few of your stories, and so I can look around this room, and I know that some of you have been in that very situation. When is this going to end, God? Why, why, why is this happening? How much longer? When are you going to deliver me? And tonight, the main idea of Daniel 3 is that faithfulness in exile, and Kate has explained exile is living in a place that is not home. And so for us as people of God, if you have received Christ and you are a follower of him, you're a child of God, which means that this is not your home, and so you're in exile. And faithfulness in exile is when your obedience and allegiance to God is not dependent on your circumstances or your deliverance from your circumstances. And if we're honest, that's really hard. I've had a couple moments already this week where I have been in this moment where I had to choose, will I be obedient to the truth that I know or will I just go with whatever I feel right now? And it's hard. So I'm not coming here to say, oh, this is easy. I'm coming here to say this is hard, but that's why we're going to learn it together and hopefully be a people that can walk in obedience and allegiance to God. So before we dive in, we have to cover like 30 verses, and it's a lot to read. So I'm going to give you just like a quick overview of the first seven verses, and then I'm going to read 8 through 30. Uh, But in the first seven verses of Daniel 3, we see King Nebuchadnezzar. And he builds this golden image, and it's 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide, which is really tall. That's like me, I can't do math on the spot, but like many, many, many of me on top of myself, okay? That's a lot. Uh, So super high, and he puts it in this place called the Plain of Dura, which is this super, I mean, open place. It's Everybody can see it. And so I would also imagine if everyone can see it, the sun glimmering on this thing, it's like fire, in this plane, okay? So he, he constructs this ginormous idol and he gives the people, he calls for all the important people, all these like big wig people in Babylon. He calls them, 
They're the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces. Okay, in like junior high, high school language, that might be like the football players. Okay, the people that you would consider to be like the popular people that if you could just like talk to them and hang out with them, it would just be amazing. Okay, he's calling for all the important people of Babylon to come and he gives them two options. You will either bow to this idol or you will burn. Bow or burn. Totally up to you. If you want to burn alive, that's fine. But you can either bow or you can burn. And so all the most influential people come, and what do they do? They bow. Because who wants to burn alive? Nobody. I sure don't. So these people are bowing, and if you have all the most influential people bowing, other people are going to bow too. If all the football players are doing it, you're like, well, maybe, maybe I should do it too. Some people are looking at me like, mm-mm. But some people think that way, okay? So now we launch into the story. So people are bowing because they don't want to burn, and we're going to start in verse 8. So hang with me as we go through many verses. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music which is a lot of instruments all at one time, if I can just say that, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. The Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression on his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? 
They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command, and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. And this is where King Nebuchadnezzar jumps on the god bandwagon. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So that is one of my favorite stories. Um, and, and it's crazy, the deliverance that God brings in this moment. But I want to walk quickly through the story and then kind of unpack the truths that I think that we can pull from it. So the Chaldeans, who were astrologers, they're, they're a people group in Babylon, but they were known for being astrologers, saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and basically tattletailed on them. They ran to King Nebuchadnezzar and said, these guys aren't bowing. What are you going to do about it? You appointed them, and now they're not bowing to you. So King Nebuchadnezzar gives them a second chance. He's like, well, I did appoint these guys, so clearly they're not going to be disobeying me. So I'm going to give them a second chance. I'm going to call them to me, and we're going to see they're probably going to bow. And in this moment, when he gives them the second chance, he mocks God and he says, who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands. He's basically saying, I'm the authority, and there is nothing that will deliver you from what I am going to do. And so at this point, the pressure's on. Like, if you can just pretend that you're either Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like pick your favorite name. Pretend that you're one of them in this moment. They're standing before the king, and he's giving them the second chance to say, just bow. All you have to do is just get down on the ground and bow to this idol, and you won't burn alive. That, I mean, it's easy. No one's going to deliver you. You're going to die. And so at this point, they, they could have said, you know what? We're just going to bow on the outside, but on the inside, we won't be bowing. Clearly, like, God doesn't want us to burn. Why would our God want us to be thrown into the fire? We'll just bow. It's no big deal. But I wonder, I don't know for sure, because it does not say, but I wonder if these men had Exodus 20, 3 through 5, running through their minds. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. I just wonder if maybe... They were clinging to that truth in that moment and saying, but God said, don't bow. And we've seen him be faithful in the past. 
And I, I just believe that he's going to be faithful now. I don't know for sure, but I just, I just know that he's going to be faithful in some way. And so in 16, verse 16, they, re, they start replying to him and they say, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, we will never serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. It's as if they're saying, our God is able, and even if he doesn't, our faithfulness to God is not dependent on if he delivers us or not. We want what God wants. And if us being thrown into the fire brings him more glory, then so be it. Because our God is faithful and we know what he's told us and we stand by it. And so as you continue on in the story, Nebuchadnezzar gets really mad. He heats the furnace up seven more times hotter than it's ever been before. Even the guys that throw him them into the fire die because it's so hot. They're not even in the fire. They're just near the fire and it kills them. And so they get thrown into the fire. And then all of a sudden, seconds later, King Nebuchadnezzar is like, hold on a second. Didn't we throw three in there? Because there's a fourth. There's a fourth in there. And we all know the song. Hopefully we're going to sing it later. There was another in the fire walking amidst the fire with them. God was with them in the fire. He didn't deliver them from the fire. They got thrown in the fire. But God was with them in the fire. And then at the end, Nebuchadnezzar calls them out. And he says, there is no other God that can rescue in this way. And so just like I do when the Red Sox are done playing and the Astros are still going, he jumps on the God bandwagon, just like I jump on the Astros bandwagon. And he's like, if anyone talks bad about this God, you're, you're going to be torn limb from limb. And I think it's because he's scared. Because he threw men into the fire and they survived, which is crazy. And so how does this apply to us? No one's threatening you to throw you into a fire. Hopefully that is not happening. But you see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood their ground in one of the most pressuring situations ever. Pressure not only from the culture to bow down to this idol set up, but also fearing for their life that they were going to be burnt alive. And their resolve was whether they lived or died, their allegiance and obedience was to God and God alone. And what I have found and what I believe to be true is that there are moments in our life, many, many moments. And it comes down to these single moments of choosing. It's that moment when someone says to you, do you want a sip of this? Do you want to try this? Hey, send me that picture. Or it's that voice in your head when you see the girl sitting all by herself or the guy sitting all by himself that nobody's paying attention to. And you feel that stirring inside of you. Go over to them. And that lie in your head, but everyone's going to make fun of you. You don't want to be known for what they're known for. It's these single moments of choosing, will I be obedient to God? Will my allegiance be to God? Or will it be to something else? Will I follow something else? 
And the truth that we know in those moments is so crucial. And so there's some things that we can pull from this. And the first one is this. Kate has talked about it a little bit already. But what is most popular is not always best. It is not always God's best. King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to control the culture. What was popular was bowing down to this idol. Everybody else was doing it. And so the lie that we may have a tendency to believe is, if all the popular people are doing it, so should I. There was a time, I think I was either a junior or a senior, I can't remember. Um, And I kind of got along with everybody, but some of the popular kids, for some reason, thought that I was interesting and fun and invited me to hang out when they would go do things, have a bonfire, go to the movies, go to, out to eat, whatever. And I would go, because who doesn't want to go when the popular kids are inviting you, right? And so I would go and I would hang out, but I wouldn't give in to things. Like, my moral code was so high, and so, like, they would offer me a drink. They would make fun of me because I didn't cuss. They, would, they, they tried to get me to do everything, and I wouldn't. But there was this one night I was over at my friend Jared's house and a whole bunch of us were over there and we were talking in the kitchen, hanging out. And then they were like, hey, let's watch a movie. So we go into the living room and they plug in this movie. So we all sit down and it plays. And all of a sudden what pops up on the screen is some very inappropriate stuff that I knew like, we should not be watching this. No, I should not be here. And so in that moment, I thought, okay, I need an exit strategy, but I don't really know what to do. So I went to the bathroom, and I remembered that my parents had told me, hey, if you're ever in a situation that you need to get out of, just tell, you know, just either text us, we'll call you, or tell them your parents called and you have to go home and babysit. And I was, so, I was like, this is perfect. I'm just going to tell them my parents called, I have to go babysit my brothers. So that's what I did. I went out and I said, hey, sorry, I got to go. My parents called, and I got to go babysit my brothers. Which, mind you, was a lie, because that didn't really happen. And so you might think like, hey, Allie, great job. You left the situation. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't speak up for God's best. I didn't say, hey, that's not right. And the thing is, is we went to a Christian school. I was at a Christian school. And so these kids were supposed to be Christian kids. And in that moment, I told a lie to get out of a bad situation. I wasn't obedient to God necessarily. I was obedient to my morals. But I lied, so that's also sinning. And my allegiance was to my morals. It wasn't really to God. I was still trying to protect myself from people thinking that I was lame. And so it's even in those small things. It doesn't have to be those big things. Like there are small things like that that we try to protect ourselves and seem cool God's way is best. And there's plenty of other situations when people are making fun of people or gossiping and you just kind of stand there and you like, like kind of laugh because you don't want them to think that you're not laughing with them, but you know you shouldn't be laughing and so you half laugh. We've all done it because it's uncomfortable and it's awkward and we don't know how to stand obedient and allegiant to God. And these three guys show us how it's done. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
The second thing that we can pull from this is that God is the authority in our life. Not one of the authorities, not sometimes the authority. He is the authority. King Nebuchadnezzar says, who will deliver you out of my hands? For us, this might look like believing this lie that these circumstances are more powerful than your God. This hurts too much. The pressure is too much. These circumstances are more powerful than who God is. But God is the authority. And if you look at him as the authority, then your circumstances will never seem more powerful than your God. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So this is great news. When things happen, when pressuring situations happen or circumstances are really hard, God promises that he is faithful and he will always give you a way out. Okay, great, Allie. Well, what does that look like? Number one, it could look like memorizing that verse and having it in your mind. It could also look like memorizing this verse, and this is one that I recommend to people all the time when I'm meeting with them and they're trying to defeat sin issues in their life or whatever it may be. And it's 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy God strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Okay, now that whole passage, you might be like, that's way too hard to memorize. That's fine. All you have to do is memorize this. I will take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And so in those moments, when you're with your friends and people pull out alcohol, in that moment, you're saying, I will, make every thought, I will take every thought captive, I will make it obedient to Christ. I will take every thought captive, I will make it obedient to Christ. I will take every thought captive, and I will make it obedient to Christ. You might have to say it ten times. And then you might get to a place where like, the pressure is like backing off a little bit, and then you can say, okay, what does obedience to Christ look like in this moment? If I'm taking my thoughts captive and striving to be obedient to Christ, well, what does obedience to Christ look like in this moment? It looks like saying, no, I don't need that. It's illegal. Getting drunk is wrong. It's not what I believe. And so I'm not going to do that. That's what obedience and allegiance to God looks like. The third thing. God is faithful always even when we can't see the whole picture. So I have a control problem. It's been that way for a long time because my family was nutso, and so I wanted to just control everything to try to not get hurt. And I still struggle with it. When things are chaotic in my life, I try to control little things to just, okay, well, at least this is okay. If you have a control problem, when you can't see the whole picture, it feels like a tornado is happening. Maybe some of you also have a control problem, or maybe you're perfect and I'm the only one. That's fine. Either way, God is faithful even when we can't see the whole picture, even when we don't know when deliverance is coming, even when we don't know how this circumstance is going to end. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had no idea how their situation would play out, but it didn't matter to them 
Their allegiance to God wasn't based on their deliverance. So there's this part in Hebrews, Hebrews 11. It's called the Hall of Faith. And it just goes like, by faith, Abraham. By faith, Joseph. By faith, all these people. And how by faith, they showed obedience and allegiance to God, no matter the circumstance. And at the end of it, we come to this in verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. But some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Sawn in two because they were obedient and showed allegiance to God. And the thing is, is this world is broken. We know that because Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, we know the story. It's broken. And so there are bad people that do bad things and there are difficult circumstances that crush us. And sometimes deliverance doesn't look like being delivered on this earth. Sometimes deliverance looks like someday you're going to be with the Lord. And there will be no more pain and no more crying. Sometimes we forget that we know how this whole story ends. That Revelation 21 says that someday everything will be perfect again. And so we can, as the people of God, be faithful because God's faithfulness extends into eternity. God is faithful always, even when we can't see the whole picture. But we do know how the story ends. That's what I figured. That's what I figured too. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. And so here's the last one. God is with us. King Nebuchadnezzar saw a fourth man in the fire with them. God was protecting them and literally was in the fire with them. Sometimes we might believe the lie that says, God must not be with you if you're in this much pain. If you're hurting this much, then God must have forgotten about you. He doesn't care about your situation. And it's just not true. Because sometimes we have to walk through the fire. But he does promise to be with us. It says in Isaiah 43, 2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. And for some of you, you might still be on the edge like, Okay, Allie, that's great. For these guys, it's written in this book 
but like I don't ever see God being with me. And so let me share share with you a cool story. Hopefully I don't cry. So some of you may know uh, that Andrew and I are looking to adopt this little baby girl at the end of October. And uh, the situation is hard. There's this side of adoption that people don't see where the reason for the adoption is that there's brokenness there. There's something that's really broken, and so this child needs a home. And so in this situation, there's drugs, and, and I visited this mom in jail, and there's all this stuff that's happened in these past two months that are just, that are just crazy. And it came to this one day where some things had happened, and I was at home. It was on a Friday, and it just got too much for me. And I just thought, you know what, Lord? I've lost four babies. I've lost four pregnancies. And this situation with this adoption is so hard. Why does this have to be my road to motherhood? Why does it have to look like this? And so I went into this baby room that we have all set up, and I sat in the chair, and I started weeping. And I said, God, I feel like I'm burning alive right now. And I need to know if you want me to keep walking through this fire or if you're going to let me turn around. Because right now, I don't want to keep walking. This is just too much. This is beyond my capacity. And I'm just sitting there and I'm crying and I'm just talking to God out loud. Thankfully, Andrew wasn't home because he probably would have thought I was nuts. And five minutes later, my phone goes off. And I get a text message from someone. She, she She doesn't even go here. And she sends me this verse from Exodus 14, 13, and 14. This is when the Israelites are at the edge of the Red Sea and the Egyptians are coming after them. And they're like, why did you bring us here to die? You let us out of bondage, but now we're going to die. And Moses says this to the people. Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. None of you would be able to argue to me that God is not incredible and the only God worth serving. Because in a moment where I wanted to run, that answer from Scripture that was sent from someone that hasn't even been a part of the story, Five minutes after I cry out to God, he says in scripture, seek me and you will find me. And so I sought him and you know what happened? I found him and he met me there in this baby girl's room that Lord willing, we're going to bring home and said, keep fighting. You don't know how the story's going to end, but I'm telling you to keep walking through the fire. And so I am. And some days I cry a lot. And some days I'm really happy. And some days I'm just okay. But God is with me. In the fire that I'm experiencing, God is with me. And that's enough. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And while I do that, I want to share this with you. Scripture and reading the Bible is so good. As you read it, you learn truth. And then in those single moments where you have to make a decision, obedience and allegiance to God or to something else, 
in those moments where you are crying out, God, I need a deliverer. You take your thoughts captive and you make it obedient to Christ and you cry out to him and say, you've got to tell me to keep going. If you don't invest in your relationship with God, you're not going to know how he speaks to you. It's taken me a long time to get to this place where, like, I feel like the Lord and I, like, we're, we're good. Like, I, 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 know, I know how he speaks to me. And I know that he's faithful because I've seen him do it and I write it down. And when I forget, I go back in my journal and I read it over and over and over again. You've got to spend time with him. You have to. If you don't spend time with him, you're going to miss him because he's showing up all over the place and he's real and he's incredible and it's the most amazing relationship that you could ever, ever experience. But if you don't spend time with him, if you don't read his word, if you don't pray, you're going to miss him because he is walking in the fire with you. But if you don't know what to look for, you're going to miss him. So this is how I want to respond tonight. Sometimes we say like, hey, if you need to talk to a leader, go talk to a leader. We're going to respond. We have two songs that we're going to sing. If you need to like move to the side and get a little space, if you need to sit, if you need to sit on the ground, do that. The only person that I want you talking to right now is God. That's the person that you need. That's the one that you need. During these next two songs, I want you to talk to your heavenly father who made you and loves you and is just waiting for you to talk to him. And after, if the songs are done and you still need to talk to someone, great. You can come talk to me. We have amazing leaders in the back. We all love you and want to be here for you, but God is going to love you best. And so I want you to do business with him and talk to him and cry out to him in however you need to right now.